What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo, brought to you by Thin Man Brewery. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, not much has happened since our Monday episode, aside from the Sabres signing Kale Clegg to a two-way deal. Nothing new for the NHL roster next season, that is, and there has not been a whole lot of free agent movement in the meantime. Of course, as we broke in the middle of our uh, last episode with Tyler Bertuzzi going to the Maple Leafs. They also signed Max Domi. Have fun with that. But not really a whole lot else going on these past couple days. Vladimir Tarasenko has had his little scuffle with uh, with the Carolina Hurricanes where everybody thought he was going there. And then he ended up firing his, his agent, hiring Paprasan. And here we are now. But on the Sabres front, not a whole lot, of, a lot else going on. No additions to the forward group. No additions to the net. So where did the Sabres go from here, Taylor? Well, it kind of seems more and more like they're going to really roll with the Levi-UPL thing just because of all the options that were out there, none of them really uh, panned out. A lot of the goalies that they could have looked at, all of whom were kind of middling, to be honest, stayed with their teams as it is, uh, you know, that's and pretty much everyone is signed. Uh, one goalie that I don't think they're looking at, you know, it's a, but it is a potential last-ditch attempt that I think they should at least be considering is Jeremy Swayman. Uh, before, like, a minute ago, when I was looking on Cat Friendly, I kind of thought it was uh, a total impossibility. The Bruins shed a ton of salary, Taylor Hall, for example, uh, to, and they their team is going to look very different next year. They may or may not have Patrice Bergeron. So I, they uh, kind of, at this point, I thought, had shed enough salary that although just be able to match anything you throw at Swayman, who's a restricted free agent, by the way, uh, especially because they're already paying Linus Allmark $5 million and they're not about to give him up. But I'm looking at their cap friendly now, and they have $37.7 million in forward contracts, just about $30 million in defense, so they're over $67 million on those. And Linus Omar brings them above $72 million total. So they also have a, uh, a dead cap hit because of Mike Riley, his buyout. So basically at the moment, they have about $6.2 million in cap space, and all they need to sign is one forward, and a goalie, theoretically Swayman. That's, I mean, six point two million. Not a lot of cap space at the moment. Definitely they have not. other moves they could make. But if you threw a deal at Swayman, which I don't think this is going to happen, but if you threw something in the five or six range, that would really put the Bruins in a tough spot because they'd have to shed more salary. That would kind of make it official that Patrice Bergeron's not coming back, which is getting weirder and weirder that we haven't heard anything True. on that front. But if he does come back, he's going to have to go- come back for an insanely cheap deal, which would be weird for a reigning Selkie winner to do. Uh, so I think it's interesting. I still think the Bruins are going to get this done. But I think you shouldn't really make it easy on them. And because Swayman would be such a, a really nice piece to pair with Levi, you shouldn't just let this opportunity pass. I agree. I think... As is the case with most of this stuff, there's obviously a fine line between the practicality of it happening as compared to it just being a good idea. And I think that this is a good idea. I think that this is exactly the kind of aggressive move that Kevin Adams and the front office should be considering to make. Because again, it's not only like it's just Boston. I mean, it's a division rival who you're gearing up to eventually within the next year, couple years, we'll say maybe more accurately, that you want to jump over. And so what better way to kind of do that than digging your heels in and going after this guy who is going to make you better. And beyond that, 
say they it's a win-win for the Sabres because it's like okay you can do this and you at maybe you you know offer him a little bit higher than I don't know I haven't looked at what any of his like contract comparables would be through like evolving hockey or anything for what he should be getting but if you were to go a little bit above that maybe you get it out of the Bruins price range like you're saying that's there's really nothing that you can lose from that situation I mean what you have to give up, uh, whatever the offer sheet compensation is. I mean, uh, first and a third. I would do that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, and yeah. here's the thing that actually makes it tough on the Bruins. Yeah. That makes it extra tough because the Bruins would have to be thinking, oh shit, we could get some picks back, maybe, right? Allmark's already the reigning Vesna winner. They've shown time and time again that they can get goalies. Maybe they feel confident. They didn't have stands, a first this year, right? They Two. don't have a first. They didn't have a first this year. Next year, they don't have a first, second, third, or seventh. Holy! And they shit. don't have a second in twenty twenty five, or a fourth. So they have traded a ton of future draft capital. It's not quite as bad as Tampa. Wow! But they've given up a lot, as has Toronto. Um, and have not been able. I would. Also, even go as far to say what I think is the differentiator between them and Tampa is that they haven't been able to retain any of these guys that they've given up these assets for. Orlov, no. Bertuzzi, all or, these guys. Or even tried, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and they even had to give up Taylor Hall, who they got actually pretty who? cheap. Yeah, some guy uh. who's going to go to another team that can win the lottery. <laughs> uh, but I also, I wanted to, just, just quickly on a second point you made there about trying to pass them soon. I know that might sound crazy because the Sabres missed the playoffs and the Bruins had the best season ever. And even though Sabres, you know, had their best season in years, they were more than 40 points behind the Bruins. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing, folks. The reigning Selkie winner, Patrice Bergeron, as I said, not signed. A lot of people think he might retire. They still have David Pasternak, second in MVP voting. Yep. Charlie McAvoy, uh, Norris contender. I don't think he was top three this year. Pretty No, he was not. definitely not top three. But he's a consistent top ten guy. And Hampus Lindholm, maybe the most underrated defense in the NHL. Folks, besides that... You do have Brad Marchand, getting older, but he still scores. Yep. The rest of their forward group, yuck. Charlie Coyle, Pavel Zaka, Jake DeBrusque, Morgan Geeky, Milan Lucic, James Van Riemsdyk, and then some fellas named Patrick Brown, Jason Begna, AJ Greer, and then Trent Frederick, who okay. I have heard of, who is actually an RFA now that I look at this. So with someone that might be someone they also have to Their resign. defense is okay still. Their defense is still good. It's McAvoy, Lindholm, Carlo, Grelzik is a top four. That's very good. That's even, solid. And even for... Forborton, uh, I never know how to say this guy's name. Zerobil? Yeah. Zaboral? Zaboral. Zaboral. And, oh, Shattenkirk. Yep. Yeah. So their defense is still solid. Their goaltending is still solid. But this is not the best team in the NHL anymore. I think the other way to look at it, too, is if you're a team that is as comfortable, I know I'm getting off track a little bit, but, like, if you're a team that's as comfortable as dealing assets like that, as the Bruins are in terms of, like, your draft capital... Again, this is probably me just even more than being speculative, being hopeful, I guess. But what do you think is going to net you more of a return come the trade deadline? Jeremy Swayman or a first-round pick? I would probably think a first-round pick would end up being able to get you more, get you a little bit more flexibility. Um, And so if the Sabres were to do that, or if any team for that matter were to offer sheet them and they were able to get a first and a third back, it's like, okay, well, at least going into next year... We have the safety net of having a first-round pick, but if it gets to being around the deadline and we want to go pedal to the metal, like let's just buy, let's just go all in again. You have the draft capital to be able to use too. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Actually, that's a good point because they still, I think, they're pretty much kind of still in win now. 
but they're just in a weird spot with the way all the salary works and Pastor not getting paid. What he deserves, mm-hmm. but when forwards get paid what they deserve, sometimes it makes things complicated right. to fill out the rest of your roster. He'd much rather have a situation where a forward doesn't get paid what he deserves, which is what Boston had for a long time with Bergeron and. And some other Marchands and other Guzan Pasternak before his extension. Yeah, Crosby for a while in Pittsburgh, Mel- mm-hmm. like Melkin, uh, Chicago before Kane and Tay signed their big extensions. McKinnon, like all those. There's, there's all those good examples. Those are teams that win. But yeah, anyway, to get back to the main point, you might be wondering, like, why are you guys talking about this Jeremy Swayman thing? That's definitely not going to happen. <laughs> definitely. Not. Is it just because it's summer? Is it just because it's July? There's not as much to talk about already. And honestly, no. It's a sign that I think we're both very uncomfortable with the idea of a Levi-UPL tandem next year. Very much so. And it's, I think, kind of in coordination with the fact that it feels like people are softening on that a little bit. And this is obviously, you know, not based, I mean, to a degree, I guess you could say it's based on what Kevin Adams in, in the front office is saying. I also will hear the fact that obviously Adams isn't going to be like, oh, yeah, we're worried about going into next year with these two. Like, of course, he's going to say that they're confident whether some, they some, are or not. Some coach or a manager out there might just say they're very concerned. Yeah, and, that's that's fair. And that's, make things pop off for a month. Wouldn't know anything about that either. Uh, but uh, no, no, no. So, but I feel like there has just been, you know, you just, you see people talking about it online and it's, it's interesting, I feel like, how... The tide has shifted, you know, from, I feel like coming out of the season, it's like, you got to upgrade in that, you got to upgrade in that, you got to upgrade in that, like, and I don't know if it's people leaning, I think it's a little bit of both here, I should say. I think it's both people leaning into the the spectacle that is becoming Devin Levi, which we talked about last episode. You and I both are huge believers in him, like, he is going to be a star, I'm fully, fully convinced of that, but... Leaning a little bit too much into that after a seven-game sample size for a guy that hasn't played more than 36 games in a season in his uh, adult life, or probably life in general, I would assume, for that matter. But I think that, coupled with the fact that, are, are people just forgetting how bad UPL was for stretches last year? Like, yeah. single-handedly losing them games bad? Are people forgetting that he hasn't had a good season since he was in the OHL? Like... This is a big. What thing. are we? Ba- yeah. What are we basing this confidence in him on? Him being a second round pick and having having a great season in the OHL. Like that's it. Because I think people rightly look at it and go, "This is not a normal development path with UPL." No. Between COVID, him getting yanked up two years in a row, him never having a real strong full season in Rochester, and yeah, he should have been down there this whole season this past year. It's uh, unfortunate that Eric Comrie was terrible, but and injured. I guess I should say he was both. But UPL, uh, it's also worth noting with him that he's a really big guy that had a really kind of uh, potentially interesting injury. Not interesting, but potentially long-term damaging injury Mm -hmm. years ago uh, with his hips. I mean, that's no joke. When you're a big guy, people want a big goalie that can move. That's great. That's like the ideal. Uh, But if you can't move, then all of a sudden you're useless, especially in this modern game. Where the game, where the play just moves from side to side so fast, I'd say it's totally unlike what it was even eight years ago. Like it just, the game is so much faster, and it gets faster every year seemingly. So you can't just be a big guy that can't move, and maybe doesn't have, uh, maybe your mind doesn't move as fast as it should either. And shit, I mean, at yeah. some point he had to have a good enough AHL sample for me to do this. He played sixty nine games in the AHL. It's all nice. over the. It's yeah, it's very nice, but not quite. No, not actually that nice. Well, yeah. Uh, it, it was all over the place. It was sporadic because 
COVID, like I said, COVID and injuries. But he's under 900 in the AHL with that. That's not good. Mm-hmm. I, it's 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 a concern. Even strength save percentage last year under 900 too. Like I know he was dancing around there in the NHL. I'm saying like as we're just yeah. talking about numbers and stuff even like that. Strength save even percent- strength save percentage was 899. That is that's a big concern. Big time. I mean, the NHL average must be 910, above 910. That's... Yeah. That's bad. It's not good. Good lord. It's definitely not good. That's probably pretty close to Comrie. Power play save percentage, 829. That, I can't tell if that's bad or not. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) With the Sabres penalty kill. That was bad. That one, I guess, yeah, you're right. The penalty kill to a lesser extent. But yeah, at 5 on 5, under 900... Is not ideal. And under 900 yeah. in any sense is not ideal, obviously, yeah. because you should be able to like make up for that. And I know scoring is up. We we all know we know all of this. Yeah, we know the Sabres defense isn't good. Right. But, but you saw what a decent goalie would look like under that, which is Levi. Right. Which again, I have confidence that Levi will be able to come in and at least some of the games this year, and most of the games he plays, uh, he'll be able to look like he did last year. But how many games is that gonna be? I mean, right. It's it's a seven-game sample. It's hard to take anything from that, but it is worth noting that Craig Anderson did have a higher save percentage in his sample than Levi did. I know Levi gave up all those goals in one game, basically, yeah. but that's that's a trouble with small samples. And let's <laughs> the other thing, too, is that this was all... I, I, they were piling him up at the end. Like, they got him in... I mean, he played seven games, and in reality... I think in any other circumstance, or if they weren't trying to, if they weren't that close to the playoffs, he would not have played that many. So it was seven games that were all stacked pretty close to each other. And so, again, this is, I guess, getting away from the metrics a little bit, but you got to think, like, coming up, that's just got to be, like, a huge adrenaline thing, and they're running them out there, like, a ton, like, getting, like, maybe one night off in between games a couple times, I know he had. And just getting, you know... A three-week break between... The end of his season and when he first started. Well, I'm Sabres. saying, though, like, once he actually, like, reported to Buffalo and everything, yeah. you know, because we've seen it before. Obviously, it's different with goalies and players, but, like, guys can come up for, you know, quick stretches at the end of a season, and you're like, wow, look what we have here. And then the next season rolls around, and it's not as glamorous as it was in that last stretch. Again, very different with goalies and players, but I think that's even kind of adds to the point even more, you know? Like, I just think about, like, Who's somebody who comes to mind with this? Like, I don't know, like Marcus Foligno, right? He comes up towards the end of his year, like before his rookie season, right? And then you have that crazy good stretch, like the last like 10 games. Playing with Hennison Stafford. Right, and then you start the next season off and it's like, oh, this is not the same guy. And I'm not saying that Levi's going to have some big fall off, but again, it's just about managing the expectations and what you're really setting him up for. Like, you know, the, the travel schedule is a lot. Like yeah. you are, you are going to be going all across North America. There's going to be a lot of times where you know, I mean, there's always a good amount of back-to-backs, which is why it's all the more important of having a good tandem. Like all the more reason why people shouldn't be so comfortable with with UPL getting like the other end of these back-to-back games. Like I just that for starters, but like, what are we realistically expecting Levi to be able to play? Like this is like it's it takes a toll, and I would rather than just throwing him out there and being like, hey you're 21 years old or 22 with seven NHL games under your belt, like go play 55 games next year. Like, I don't want him doing that. I, I don't feel comfortable with that because there's just, it's it just not something that happens very much, if at all. Um, you can look at just about any case of a guy who has, you know, 
as little professional experience. Like he has not gotten any AHL time. Like he has just seven games of NHL hockey under his belt at the professional level. And you just, you don't know how that's going to end up turning out over the span of, again, like you're asking this guy, what, for 55 starts next year? It's a lot. It's a lot for somebody his age. It doesn't happen. No, not at all. That's the point we've made a lot. It's like, it's, if... I'm, we gotta, I'll keep making it. Like, it's in, it's, it's it's nuts. It's, it's us, I would say having, if, if you think, like, we have this faith that he's gonna be as good as the upper echelon of guys now, and that's Hellebuck, it's Saros, uh, Sorokin, all those guys. You know what those guys are doing when they're 21? Not playing in the NHL. Right. Not being full-time starters, at least. Like, we've said this a million times, but Hellebuck, who's a great example, he played in the same conference Mm -hmm. as Levi in college. He played the same number of years in college, and then he played a year and a half in the AHL. And that was with uh, him playing more games in college because he didn't have to go through the COVID times. Right. Or Levi got, Levi got kind of screwed by that. So he had a more consistent college experience and still did that. Still had to go. It's not like Winnipeg was like, oh, my God, we have these guys up here. They had their own bullshit, like Eric Comrie type guy. It wasn't Eric Comrie yet. Yeah. It was Andre Pavlich back then. Yeah. And he was playing a million games. And he was terrible. Yeah. Every year. Uh, so I, I think if you do have faith in Levi, you have the faith that he's going to be one of those guys. You still, uh, you still might not want him in the AHL. That's not what I'm saying. I think because of the Sabre situation, he should still be like... So ideally he'd be a 1B, but I, it's the clock's running out on that. Now he's going to be a 1A with a guy who's just really not good. Uh, I did want to say this, though, because I saw a comparison that uh, Levi and UPL are would be the new Miller and Braun. I so, come on. So, okay, and here's, here's I, if you're thinking that. I know that, we talked about this already, yeah. but, like, I yeah. mean, off the podcast, you and I talked yeah, about Yeah, I don't this. remember who said that, so sorry I can't give you credit, but... He, do you want credit? Uh, because here's the thing with that. Two things. First of all, Baron is UPL. Sir, get a goddamn grip. That's just... You need to look up what Marty Baron was before Miller came up to be a starter. Baron played 72 games the season after Hashik left, which, LOL, the NHL 20 years ago, and also, Jesus Christ, Lindy. Yeah. Also, Jesus Christ, Darcy. You you got Bob Asenza as a backup? Did you want to make the playoffs? I know. But look at, Marty's still good save percentages. Then he split time with Norin in the next two years. And, you know, go back and look at his save percentage. It was good. It was above 900. He was he was a good, solid goalie. The yeah, Sabres, he was. They were not missing the playoffs because of Baran. They are missing the playoffs because they couldn't score. So his 72-game season was in 2001 and 2002, and he had a 915 save percentage that year. <laughs> the next year, he plays 54 games and puts up a 908. The following year, 913 in 52 games. Unless you think, and then Miller the, shows up, and he t- and then that's when he goes into the backup role for uh, the next two seasons. Yeah, lest you think that uh, the dead puck era had crazy save percentages, it actually really didn't. It just had very, very, very few shots mm-hmm. in most games. The crazy save percentage era was like twenty thirteen to sixteen. That's yeah. when the save percentage was <laughs> yeah. like league save percentage was nine sixteen. Shout which, out Jamie Ben. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, save percentage has gone down ever since. So, it's uh, that might be another. It's issue not even there. close. I mean, it's it, it's it's, not, it's a it's preposterous yeah. comparison. Let me, yeah, let's get back to that for a second. So the other one is Miller, and Miller is even actually, it might even be worse too. The, like the Miller thing. No, I think Miller to Levi isn't a bad comparison in general, though. But where they were at in their respective careers, though, at the time of them taking yeah. on the starters' role, is what is crazy, though. Yeah. Okay. So let's look at this. For starters, 
Miller was a little bit old. Well, he was 21 when he came out of college. He was about to turn 22. He didn't play. He didn't have that little sample like Levi had. Mm-hmm. He The next year, though, he comes up. So he's 22 at this point. And this is what year? And this is... 0203. Right. He plays most of the year in the AHL, and he's awesome. He's a 920 in the AHL. 902 in a 15-game sample in the NHL. Sabres think he might be ready next year. They send Norinen, who I actually think is a way better comparable to Levi, is mm-hmm. Mika Norinen. They send Norinen down and start the NHL season. Again, this is 0304. Miller's 23 now, two years out of college. Plays the first three games, he had a, a 795 save percentage. He was so insanely unprepared, they sent him back within a week and made it a Braun and Norn increase. But he played the rest of that season in Rochester and did well. He was a 925. And then the following year, when it was a full season lockout in the NHL, he was a 922. So when he actually came up and had, you know started 48 games for the Sabres in 506, he's 25 years old. He's, he's going to be three and a half, four years old than Levi is going to be this year. Like, that's not an unrealistic path for Levi, which is why we wanted flexibility so bad with this. It's not that we think there's no chance that he can do this. It's that we need flexibility, and that's the main thing. It's it's not it's it's not a lack of faith in his long term projection. It's just an understanding of what the short term is like for young goalies. It can be tough, so don't think that it's uh it, that we're we're really shitting on Levi or anything like this, or even UPL because UPL. I mean, if things went like they should, he should still be a guy in Rochester. And if last year went poorly, then maybe you pulled a plug. But maybe last year went okay in Rochester for him. Uh, unfortunately, he's at the point now where you he's not on a two way deal anymore. So nothing you can really do. But in our realistic opinion, would be to kind of trade UPL and you know wish him the best. There's enough concerns that you can't be too confident going forward. And before we get to anything else, though, let's uh, let's hear some words from our sponsors. And folks, you know, you know, we're always talking DraftKings. Hell, you might even say DraftKings is the reason why we're recording in July. So, if you don't know about DraftKings, new customers can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use promo code THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network. Bet just five dollars to score one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets instantly. So you get. You bet just $5, you get 150 in bonus bets. You do that with code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelpline at may.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. In West Virginia, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly. In partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races in Connecticut. Help is available for problem gambling at 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 and over in most eligible states, but age will vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. Max bet $50. 10-plus leg requirement for 100% boost. Eligibility wagering and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at DraftKings.com slash baseball terms and of course folks you know our other sponsor Thidman Brewery two locations Elmwood Avenue and Chandler Street and you know they always you know whenever you go there no matter what time of year you get great food great drinks I was just there on Sunday actually right after we recorded the pod and I had a, a dope as dough pretzel 
which Ooh. you guys really got to check it out. Brendan's had it before too. I love a good It comes pretzel. with Super Freak beer cheese mustard, which is excellent, and uh, it's honestly like a meal unto itself. But it's also an appetizer, so you can get other stuff there too. They have a lot of great stuff. I've had just about everything in the menu at this point, the old menu and the new one, and I haven't had anything bad yet. You know, the wings are good if you're a wing person. If you're the kind of person that likes to try wings from everywhere you go, I recommend it. And they have a bunch of different flavors. You could go get something off the wall. They have a minky boodle sauce, so it's kind of like a sweeter one. That's really good. Uh, and then, you know, in general, they always have new beers. So let's talk about one in particular that they had uh, for the 4th. A German-style lager called Helles, pale in color, offers fresh notes of baked Bavarian pretzels, keeping things on brand. So this is a good summer beer because it's refreshing, it's light, it's low in bitterness. It's a, it's a good way to escape the summer heat, which we're all dealing with right now. So Helles, that's spelled H-E-L-L-E-S. It, I know it sounds scary, but it's actually nice. <laughs> and it's only 4.9%, so you could uh, drink a lot of good crushability, as, as the kids would say. Ah, uh, we love that. Yeah, so is there anything else uh, you wanted to say? Uh, I Should we mention again, the Weirdly Wonderful Beer Festival has been postponed. Sadly. Yeah, so it's no longer on July 22nd, so uh, when we have more information on that, we'll let you know, because... Uh, you know we're go we're we're planning on going if it's if it's happening this year. Well, maybe if people want to, just in place of that, you can just go to Thin Man and have your own weirdly wonderful beer festival where you just get one of everything on tap. I'm sure nothing can go wrong with that, right? Yeah, you know people go to McDonald's, they put a little bit of every mm. drink in their in their drink. Like yeah, they go like high C, Sprite, Coke, all that stuff. Just ask them to do that with the beer. But just do tabs. full pints though every time though. Like that's the that's what I'm saying. Not oh. like mix them all together. I'm just saying you try one of everything try one pint of everything now would you do that me personally yes no no would you somebody else maybe one of every high noon yeah okay i probably have done that there brendan promises if you do that he will try um a pint of every high noon we'll do like how friday beers does like rusty ranks oh yeah check in like we'll do that you could do it with all the beers and i'll do it with all of the the high noons all right let's do it wow i love this for us i'm sure that yvonne and the whole bar team there will definitely love us at the end of the night like that absolutely we should just get him in on it actually what am i saying yvonne we know you're listening right now prepare your liver for next weekend yeah actually we should have him try one of everything on the menu oh (laughs) that's way more fun let's try that (laughs) yeah I definitely want to do All that. All right, folks, okay. check that out. We're having our own Weirdly Wonderful Beer Festival, date to be determined. Now, we'll, we'll keep you posted on the Weirdly Wonderful Beer Festival. I, I don't have any details on it, but I'm hoping it still happens. It sounds like a good time. Uh, and then, yeah, just in general, check Thin Man out. Uh, Brendan, anything else? Just No, just uh, we, we love it there. We, we, we love Thin Man, folks. We really do. Yep. We really, really do. Either location. Two convenient locations. Yeah, they got pizza at the Chandler one. Oh, so. Dude, the food. I mean, okay, let me be real here. Elmwood and Chandler, both great food. The Chandler food, though, sometimes, man, slaps yeah. hard. The pizza, so good. Wood-fired pizza, right? Oh, yeah. That's good. Okay. Oh, yeah. We love that. All right, folks. Well, Thin Man Brewery. Check it out. Back to it. Did you know Miller almost played... Let me make sure I have this right. Nearly 200 AHL games. That makes sense because of the lockout. Yeah, he did... You want to do some math for me really quick? Yeah. 47 in 0203 with a 920 save percentage. 60 in 0304, 925 save percentage. 0405, 63. So that's 170. 
And then two in 0506, so that really doesn't count. But 172, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a sizable amount of games at the AHL level. Yeah, and that's partially circumstantial, obviously, because I think and you know he would have been up for 0405. He did good in all those seasons, too. Yes. That is important, especially, I know that the UPL parallel wasn't to Miller, but, like, success at the AHL level is uh, important. I, I guess you could say. Absolutely. Yeah. You're going that route. You, you need it to be. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. man. A level higher than juniors at the very least. Like, we would never be bringing up a guy to be a first-line center or a second-line center who was scoring at, like, a less than half a point a game clip. Like, mm-hmm. we never were like, Alex Nylander, I know you've had some struggles, but 2C. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's yeah, it's not a good idea. Anyway. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. <laughs> would you rather, and take your time to answer this one, would you rather have Lukanen as the 1B or John Gibson as the 1A next year? Um, wow. That is really tough. It's a good question, isn't it? You know, with UPL, you're not tied down to a long-term contract. So I'm going to have to say him. That's fair. Yeah, Gibson. I know it's been talked about a lot. What if you had? What if you? What if you had fifty percent retention? He's still not good, though. I would do that. I think if you were telling me fifty percent retained, I would. I would take the chance. I think I would. It's not my favorite idea, but I like the i. I like the premise of having an established, an established starter. Like that's. He's a weird goalie. He is a very weird goalie, and I know Anaheim is a bit of a weird situation too. Obviously, with where they've been as a franchise, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like I like that better than taking the risk. All right, Taylor, do you have any other thoughts? I guess then that we'd like to share before we wrap up this episode. My last thought that I think I'm going to go into next episode, if we don't have anything else to talk about, is I think part of the reason the Sabers are having such a hard time just finding any goalie yeah. that's better than UPL is because goalies are bad now. Okay, that's actually, that's very fair. That is very fair. All right, everybody. Well, that just about does it for this episode of Straight Up Sabres. We're now about to do actually our Dynasty Fantasy Draft. And let me tell you, the the boys are all showing up for this one. We have a bunch of our charging Buffalo pals. A few former guests on Straight Up Sabres are going to be present in a part of this league. So very, very exciting stuff here. But we hope everybody is having a lovely week so far. We hope you enjoyed the the fourth if you had a nice week off. Like I was very lucky to. I hope you are enjoying it as much as I am and doing a whole lot of nothing. But we'll be back with a brand new episode on Monday, though. And again, folks, this is sponsored by this episode. This podcast is sponsored by... The Charging Buffalo and not sponsored by our presenters are the Charging Buffalo and the Hockey Podcast Network. You can find both of the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites, whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode. Make sure you're checking out all of our fellow shows and whatever social media platform you like to use, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Make sure you're checking out both the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. In addition to us, Straight Up Sabres. You can find us on all three there. Straight Up Sabres on Facebook and Instagram at Straight Sabres on Twitter. Again, folks, we also love our sponsors. First of all, we have DraftKings Sportsbook. Make sure you're using that promo code THPN at checkout to take advantage of great deals. And finally, Thin Man Brewery. Make sure you're stopping by Thin Man, either of their two locations at Elmwood or Chandler Street, and take advantage of the great food and drinks and great times there. Again, folks, we'll be back with a brand new episode on Monday. Thank you all so much for tuning in. This has been Straight Up Savers. Hey,